But the people of Israel broke faith in regard to the devoted things. For Achan, the son of Carmi, son of Zabdi, son of Zerah of the tribe of Judah, took some of the devoted things. And the anger of the Lord burned against the people of Israel. Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is near Beth Haven, east of Bethel, and said to them, Go up and spy out the land. And the men went and spied out Ai. And they returned to Joshua and said to him, Do not make all the people go up, but let about two or three thousand men go up and attack Ai. Do not make the whole people toil up there, for they are few. So about three thousand men went up there from the people, and they fled before the men of Ai. And the men of Ai killed about 36 of their men and chased them before the gate as far as Seberim and struck them at the descent. And the hearts of the people melted and became as water. Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell to the earth on his face before the ark of the Lord until the evening. He and the elders of Israel. And they put dust on their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, O Lord God, why have you brought this people over the Jordan to us, to give us into the hands of the Amorites, to destroy us? Would that we had been content to dwell beyond the Jordan. O Lord, what can I say when Israel has turned their backs before their enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear of it and will surround us and cut off our name from the earth. And what will you do for your great name? The Lord said to Joshua, Get up. Why have you fallen on your face? Israel has sinned. They have transgressed my covenant that I commanded them. They have taken some of the devoted things. They have stolen and lied and put them among their own belongings. Therefore, the people of Israel cannot stand to their enemies. They turn their backs to their enemies because they have become devoted for destruction. I will be with you no more unless you destroy the devoted things from among you. Get up. Consecrate the people and say, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, there are devoted things in your midst, O Israel. You cannot stand before your enemies until you take away the devoted things from among you. In the morning, therefore, you shall be brought near by your tribes. And the tribe the Lord takes by lot shall come near by clans. And the clan the Lord takes shall come near by household. And the household that the Lord takes shall come near man by man. And he who is taken with a devoted thing shall be burned with fire, he and all that he has, because he has transgressed the covenant of the Lord, and because he has done an outrageous thing in Israel. So Joshua rose early in the morning and brought Israel near tribe by tribe, and the tribe of Judah was taken. And he brought near the clans of Judah, and the clan of the Zerahites was taken. And he brought near the clan of the Zerahites, man by man, and Zabdi was taken. And he brought near his household, man by man, and Achan, the son of Carmi, son of Zabdi, son of Zerah, of the tribe of of Judah, was taken. Then Joshua said to Achan, My son, give glory to the Lord God of Israel and give praise to him. And tell me now what you have done. Do not hide it from me. And Achan answered Joshua, Truly I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and this is what I did. When I saw among the spoil a beautiful cloak from Shinar and two hundred shekels of silver and a bar of gold weighing fifty shekels, then I coveted them and took them. And see, they are hidden in the earth underneath my tent with the silver underneath. So Joshua sent messengers and they ran to the tent. And behold, it was hidden in his tent with the silver underneath. 
And they took them out of the tent and brought them to Joshua and to all the people of Israel, and they laid them down before the Lord. And Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan the son of Zerah, and the silver, and the cloak, and the bar of gold, and his sons and daughters, and his oxen, and donkeys, and sheep, and his tent, and all that he had. And they brought them up to the valley of Achor. And Joshua said, Why did you bring trouble on us? The Lord brings trouble on you today. And all Israel stoned him with stones. They burned them with fire and stoned them with stones. And they raised over him a great heap of stones that remains to this day. Then the Lord turned from his burning anger. Therefore, to this day, the name of that place is called the Valley of Achor. Let me pray for Rob as he comes to speak to us. Father, this is, a, this is a difficult passage. There's some stuff in here that's difficult to hear. But I pray today that we would see Jesus in this, that we would see your glory, that you would open our hearts, Lord, to see you as you truly are, preached through this word. I pray that you would give um, Rob the right words that you want to say to us today. Open our hearts to hear from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hi everyone, it's great to see you here. Um, it's nice uh, to be able to go out, isn't it? Um, we were out there this afternoon um, chatting to people in Polesworth Road. Um, and people were friendly to us, so they were happy for the visit. Um, so that was a great thing to do. Uh, I would encourage you, if you want to do that, um, that's every, two, uh, every Sunday at 2 o'clock. Um, it's a good opportunity just to meet people with Beckentree, uh, to have a conversation with people uh, that, that might lead on to other things as well. Um, so, so please do come along to that. Uh, as Sam said, we are sm- sort of smack bang in the middle of this series we're doing in the book of Joshua. And the book of Joshua, to be honest, is a book that not many Christians know a lot about, um, let alone anyone who wouldn't call themselves a Christian or anyone who's coming to the Bible for the first time. Um, but we are in the book of Joshua. And uh, uh, hopefully, as I explain what's going on in this chapter, you'll get a little bit of the context of what's going on uh, in the storyline so far. But the best way by far to do that is to read the first six chapters, uh, and we're in chapter seven. So if you want the backstory to this, uh, read the first six chapters, you'll be up to speed, and then it'll be best to come back um, next week, uh, having read chapter eight as well, because we'll be reading chapter eight next week. Um, So that's what we do as a church. Uh, I want to start with this question, and it's a question of how serious is sin? How serious is sin? I'm sure there'd been some stuff in, the, uh, in what we just read just now that you're thinking, well, I can get a gauge of it being serious. I can pick up that it is serious and that God deals seriously with sin. Uh, there's examples of that in this passage, and we'll get to them in just a moment. But I think it is something that we need to know, because even in a church, even where people go to church, uh, let's be honest, um, I'll give you an example if, if, if I was to, uh, for example, not be faithful to my wife, who's sitting right at the back there, um, or if, for example, I was to start to use the church money for my own benefit, how, how many people would notice and would it be taken seriously? And, and if it, even if it was noticed, what would be done about it? And I think what you find in a lot of churches is that actually even the leaders themselves 
are set up as people who are untouchable. And God does not have it that way. Um, And we'll see that from this passage. Um, So there's an example here of something that is hidden that God brings to light. And so he does this in a kind way. We're going to see his kindness and his warning. Uh, He does not want to let sin go hidden and unnoticed. And we're going to see that in this passage today. Um, I think that's why we do need to listen to this chapter and what it's telling us. So far, there's been a good success for the people of God. In the previous chapter, their first big battle was the Battle of Jericho, and they, they won. Hands down, God intervened and brought down the walls, and it was a miracle, and they took the city. And yet you'll see in verse 1 of chapter 7, that there's a, the word but. And then we're going to see that there's a, actually it goes completely the other way for them at this next challenge, the Battle of Ai, which was the name of that city. So, but, and then straight up in chapter verse 1, we're told exactly what the problem is. So this is what we're going to see. God brings sin to light. We're told in verse 1 what that sin is. Okay, as the readers, we, we're not left in the dark about that. So what does it say? It says that the people of Israel broke faith in regard to the devoted things. Well, they're the things that God told them not to take from the city of Jericho. And yet someone amongst them has taken of those things and kept it from everyone else, basically. Because we see in verse uh, later on that Joshua knows nothing about it and the people know nothing about it. And that's why God has to bring it to light. It says that the people of Israel broke faith in regard to the devoted things for Achan, the son, and it explains all of his uh, family links of the tribe of Judah, took some of the devoted things and the anger of the Lord burned against the people of Israel. So the, the net result of Achan doing this thing that God said they shouldn't do is that God's anger burns against not just him, but all the people. So, really, that is the, 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 the bottom line of, of sin, is that it brings on God's anger. It warrants his anger. He doesn't, he's not impartial about it. It's not like he couldn't care less. He does care, and he cares deeply, and that's, that's the result of it. And, and God is not impassionate. He does, have, he does have pleasure, and he does have anger. And, and yet we're going to see some of his mercy as well um, as it goes through. Um, so it says that the anger of the Lord burned against the people of Israel. So, so we know, reading this, what the problem is. But as I said, Joshua and the nation had no idea. So, so what's God going to do about that? How is he going to bring it to light? Well, first of all, we're going to see that he shows them that everything's not right. And how does he do that? In verses 2 to 5, he uses a defeat. Something that was unexpected. He brings some form of question into their mind from the fact that after a massive victory, something's not right. There's a defeat. Shall we read that in verses 2 to 5? Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is near Beth-Avon, east of Bethel, and said to them, go up and spy out the land. And the men went up and spied out Ai. And they returned to Joshua and said to him, do not make all the people go up, but let about two or 3,000 go up and attack it. Do not make the whole people toil up there, for they are few. So about 3,000 men went up there from the people, 
and they fled before the people of the men of Ai. And the men of Ai killed about 36 of them and chased them before the gates as far as Shebarim and struck them at the descent. And the hearts of the people melted and became as water. So there's this thing that God uses to intervene and it's defeat. And it, it really kind of wakes the people up so there's something not quite right here. It's not that every time something goes wrong, it's directly linked to a sin that someone has done. So we can't say in the Bible that if you get cancer, that means you, have, you must have done something really serious to get cancer. It's not that. But in this example, God uses something to wake people up to the, to the idea that there, might be, there is something wrong. And he uses this. Um, so he uses the defeat... And then Joshua speaks with the Lord. His first instinct is, something's not right. What's God got, God got to say about this? Let's ask him. It's quite a good way to react, isn't it? To think, actually, I'm suffering here, or something's not right. Let's, let's go to God. Let's see what he has to say. Um, and in verse 6, the Lord is approachable. <laughs> He's someone that Joshua feels that he can come to and he can say, oh, Lord God, he can be honest with him and ask the difficult questions. And he can say, why have you brought this people over the Jordan at all to give us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us? He's able to be honest with God. That's that's how it feels. It feels like you just brought us here to destroy us. And, oh, Lord, what in verse eight, what can I say when the Israel have turned their backs before their enemies For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear of it and will surround us and cut off our name from the earth. And what will you do for your great name? Joshua's question, why have you allowed this to happen, is a good question and it's warranted, isn't it? In the face of defeat, he asked God, why have you allowed this to happen? It's not unbelief for him to come to God with that question. Previously, the people of God said, Why have you brought us here in in the wilderness? But they didn't say to God, they just complained to Moses. That wasn't a prayer. Joshua was doing something different here. And in these verses, uh, God tells Joshua exactly what has happened. He tells him exactly what's happened. He He doesn't keep it from him as if it's some kind of mystery and he's got to work it out for himself. God lays it all out on the table and he says, um, he says this is what happened, happens. Um, and he tells them what the result of that will be and the only way for it to be put right. And he does that. Why? Well, we're going to see two things. He does that to limit his judgment. He does that to limit his judgment. And he does that to give time for Repentance. In that man, the one man, Achan, we're going to see that he has time. And he has time to repent. Uh, So let's read what happens. The Lord's instructions in verse 10 are, Get up. Why have you fallen on your face? Israel have sinned. So he tells them exactly. Israel have sinned. They have transgressed my covenant. They have taken some of the devoted things. They have stolen and lied and put them among their own belongings that's what's happened it might be hidden from from them but it's not hidden from God and God says they have gone against what I said 
I said this, and they did the opposite. And notice that he talks about all the people having, being implicated in that. We tend to think a bit individualistically, don't we, in, in the West? We think that it's all just about me and my kind of sins. But God actually shows here that sin affects everyone. So if, if someone sins in the family, guess what? That whole family feels the effects of it. If sin happens in a workplace, what happens? The whole name of that company is brought into disrepute. So really, another reason why we think sin is not that serious is because we think we can keep it hidden. And that it's not going to have a damaging effect. Whereas we see examples all the way through society of what happens when people sin, when they wrong each other, when they lie, when they cheat, when they do those kind of things. Yeah. So, God shows him what's happened. He tells him. But from this point, you think, well, God could simply just say, oh, it's, it's Achan. Yeah? That was the man we were introduced to at the start. He could just say, let me tell you who it is. It's that one over there. He doesn't, he doesn't do that. What does he do instead? Well, what does he tell uh, Joshua to do? In verse 13, he tells him, get up, consecrate the people and consecrate yourselves, uh, and say to them, sorry, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow. Thus says the Lord of God of Israel, and then he t- t- to tell them there are devoted things in your midst. You cannot stand before your enemies until you take away the devoted things from among you. So the first thing Joshua is to do is to kind of make it public to everyone and say, look, this is, there's something wrong here and this is what's wrong. And in amongst that whole people, all of the Israelites, is the one man who knows what he's done. And he's going to hear it that God knows what he's done. You see, see that's, that's the mercy of God. That's the kindness of God to say, hey, before anything's going to happen, I'm just going to let you know that I know what you've done. And Achan gets this warning. Yeah? What's, what else is he meant to do? Well, you see that um, that bit that um, Sam read about all those names is the process of narrowing down who that person is amongst the group. And in every stage of that process, it goes from being, say, 500 people, this tribe, 200 people, this, this, this family, clan. Okay, 10 people, this one family within that family, clan. And then the one. And in every stage, God gives Achan the opportunity to say, it was me. Yeah? He gives opportunity, he gives people time for repentance. That's the mercy of God, that's the kindness of God. To not just tell us what's wrong, but to give time for people to repent. And to come to him, to be honest about that. And actually we're going to see that should Achan have done that, it would have been a very different story. But he didn't. And that's what we need to see from this, is that actually the far more dangerous thing is not just sin, but it's unrepentance. We, you know, we can, we all sin, and we all need God's forgiveness. But to ignore His forgiveness is unrepentance. It's basically saying, "I don't, I don't need your help, God," and that's what Achan did. 
So Achan here is, is basically saying, I'm going to keep, try and keep it quiet. But that doesn't work, does it? God knows what he's done, and therefore he pays the ultimate price. And we see the seriousness of sin here, don't we? Because it's, it's, it's that actually it's worth the, worthy of death. If God is holy and we do things that are wrong, then how can we continue in the life that he has given us? The only just penalty for us is to die. And that is why there's death in our world, is because we've ignored God and we've gone our own way. And, and yet God gives that to us as a wake-up call that we can know his forgiveness. And so that's what we see in this passage. You see that God lim- limits his judgment as well because he doesn't want to judge all the people and condemn them all to death. And so he gives them away where not only Achan has time to repent, but they don't have to face that judgment. So God is incredibly kind here. And he's incredibly... Uh, patient with them and yet Achan pays the ultimate price and that's what happens isn't it and we see that actually the second thing God brings sin to light but God puts sin to death that's the thing it's sin is rebellion against God and it is evil and God's not going to let evil continue so he's going to have to bring it to an end and the way that happens in this passage is that the whole family uh, not just put out of the camp, they're, they're destroyed. They're, now that it will get our back up, won't it? Because we'll think, oh, that seems like a harsh judgment. But actually, it's the same judgment that Jericho fell under. Remember last, last week? If you listen to that sermon again, you'll hear that Jericho, the city, fell under that judgment. And it's a picture, picture of really the final judgment when we all stand before God. And those who do know him and have turned to him in the, now for forgiveness will be treated as Jesus was. And yet Jesus was treated as they, we should be when he died on the cross. So that judgment comes on him so that we wouldn't have to face that judgment. Um, let's, look, let's look a bit further. Sin is put to death. There's, in those verses 22 to 26, let's read them together. So Joshua sent the messengers and they ran to the tent. Sorry, um, let's read from verse 20. And Achan answered Joshua, Truly I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and this is what I did. When I saw among the spoil a beautiful cloak from Shinar and 200 shekels of silver and a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels, then I coveted them and took them. And see, they are hidden in the earth inside my tent with the silver underneath. So Achan's sin is an archetypal sin, or it's like a model sin, in that it, he sees, he desires, and he takes. And that is always the, the kind of thing going on when we sin. You see that in the Garden of Eden. So Adam and Eve, what, what happened? God said, don't eat of that tree. Ad, Eve said, oh, I saw the apple and it looked good to taste. And then she desired it, and then she took it. And pretty much every sin in your life, in my life, will be that. Unfaithfulness in a marriage. I saw that person. I desired that person. And I took that person. All of these things. Um, And that is exactly 
the, the downward spiral. But it happens so quickly with Achan, doesn't it? Because in a moment of seeing the things that he wants, he can then take them. And sin really is that quick. It can be not just, I, I saw them last week, and now I, I desire them and I want them. But actually, even within the moment, we can completely do all three. And yet it's disastrous for him. And, and you notice that it's only at the point where Achan knows that they know that he says anything. Yeah? So we're not, I don't think, to hear this as heartfelt repentance. You know, I'm sorry I did this. It's, I've been caught out. It's the same thing that you get from people who have been caught out with, you know, and, and, and facing, standing in the docks. They just say, they might as well say what happened because everyone knows what they did anyway. And Achan here, I don't think we're meant to see it as in being sorry for what he's done. He, he, di- he didn't come forward. He didn't take his opportunity when it was given to him. It might have been very different if he had, but now the time's up. And then in verses 22 uh, to the end of the chapter, we get the bit that we don't like, which is that God puts an end to sin. He brings a final judgment on sin, and it's the ultimate price for Achan and even his whole family. And that's the bit where we, we think, we, we need to sit up and think, gosh, if sin is really that serious, then I need to, then it's important for me to think about this, isn't it? We might, well, I think we think sin is little because we see God as being little. But if God is huge, then sin against him, doing the opposite of what he says is huge. Um, and that's what he warns us against in, this, against in this chapter. But, you notice in verse 26, if you read that, it's the very last verse we're going to look at. And it says this, They raised over Achan a great heap of stones that remains to this day. Then the Lord turned from his burning anger. Therefore, to this day, the name of that place is called the Valley of Achor. Achor is like Achan, similar, similar sounding name, and it means trouble. It obviously means that Achan brought the trouble, but the trouble, as Joshua said, came on, onto him. So it really is a reminder of what God did that day. Now, why is it saying this day, on this day? You notice that twice? And they raised over him a great heap of stones that remains to this day. And then in verse, uh, at the end of that verse... Therefore, to this day, the name of that place is called the Valley of Achor. Well, it's, it's so that we realise that this is not just a story here to sort of give us some information about what's going on in, in, a, in a, a, an obscure part of history, but it's so that we know that this is actually something that was meant to be a, a real message for the future generations. Like... They could see these stones, and they were still there to this day. And they knew that the name was called Valley of Achor. So it was something that they were meant to, future generations from their hero of them here, this is, this is important, this is a serious thing that happened here. And to see the seriousness of sin, and the price that is paid for sin. So death is brought to Achan, but 
If you want to turn your Bibles to uh, Hosea, uh, chapter 2, verse 15, and I'll give you a page number in just a moment. Uh, Hosea, chapter 2, verses 14 and 15, it's on page 752. Seven hundred and fifty-two. You notice that the subheading that we've been given here in this part of the Bible is the Lord's mercy on Israel. So the Valley of Achor, the place of trouble, of destruction, is not going to be the final word. Neither for the people of God, neither for us today. That's not going to be the final word. So here, let's read. God says this, is his words. Therefore, behold, I will allure her, Israel, and bring her into the wilderness, Israel, and speak tenderly to her. And there I will give her her vineyards and make the valley of Achor a door of hope. The promise here is that God is going to make what is only destruction and trouble for God for, 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 for those who sin and he's going to make it a door of hope he is going to turn something that is only death for us into a door of hope and this is one of many prophecies in the Bible that points to the coming of Jesus and what he did in his finished work because Jesus was the one who came as Sam said at the, at the start to die <laughs> to be judged that's what we should see at the cross is that Jesus, it says cursed is the man who hangs on the tree and Jesus was being judged and in being judged he was being judged not for his own sins but for the sins of many for sins of the whole world really and we see don't we, the, the picture of judgement there it's, it's excruciating And yet Jesus was doing it out of love so that we would not face God's judgment. And so the prophecy here in Hosea is saying God's going to make what was once a complete place of disaster. And we brought that disaster on ourselves. uh, The judgment of God. His rightful anger at sin. And yet he's going to make it a door of hope. A way in to relationship with God. You know, door is a place where you go knock on people's door, don't you? And you go into a relationship with them. And that's God's going to make it a door of hope. He's going to bring about something amazing. And that's what Jesus did when he died and he took our punishment. Um, That's Joshua chapter 7. And it will be worth us thinking about what it means uh, for us today. Um, We've we've done a bit of that, haven't we? But let me just spell it out. Um, If you're new to the Bible... My guess is that this picture of sin and what it means and its consequences will be a bit of a wake-up call. Like it wouldn't be the thing that you're expecting. You think, yeah, I, I kind of thought that there are things I should do and things I shouldn't do, but not that sin was this serious. And yet God is kind to show us that sin is serious and that actually there's nothing we can physically do about it um, so that we would run to him for mercy. And Achan, that's all he needed to do really, wasn't it? Say, yep. I can't deny that. 
it was me before before the opportunity before the time of judgment came and that's what he's given to us today he's given us this day this week this week just gone he's given us time to see that we're not right with him so that we might not face his judgment if you've been to church uh, a lot of times and that can be the case can't it that we hear these kind of things a lot and yet the warning of Joshua 7 isn't is Achan heard all of those things too Achan had seen everything that God had done he'd heard about what God could do for him and yet he walked away from it all and Achan is given us this uh, contrast with Rahab isn't he because Rahab had nothing she had none of the information that Achan had about God and yet she ended up with everything she was a complete outsider and she was brought in to this wonderful promise to the forgiveness that God can give and yet Achan was, was in amongst God's people and yet he ended up outside so the guarantee of being, just being in church being around God's people is not enough have you responded Have you repented and seen your need of Jesus to see how serious your sin is? Not the sins of other people. Don't be pointing at the person who lives next door who puts their bins out in the wrong place. Have you seen your need of sin? And your, your sin is serious. This serious. This serious that God would be right to give you death and what you deserve. And yet, so serious that Jesus would have to die on the cross in order for us to be forgiven. I think if you're a believer here today, then the mark of believers will be that they treat sin seriously in their own lives. Like, it really is a thing that not mucking about. Because actually sin is, we know that it, is this serious that God hates sin and so it would be unusual wouldn't it to say that someone has received forgiveness and yet there's no real acknowledgement that sin is serious in their lives that perhaps they carry on in unrepentance and when you challenge them on something they don't want to do anything about it so this is something for us to consider am I repenting of my sin In what way am I repenting of my sin? Am I willing for other people to call out my sin? And what do I do when they do? do? Am I just defensive and say, oh no, it's nothing to you, to do with you? Or am I those who would say, yes, I need to repent? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this word. We thank you that you're a God who speaks. Thank you that you make clear uh, what we need to know. Thank you that we can come to you with our questions uh, when things are confusing. And thank you that you are so clear that you don't leave us in any doubt about what you are doing. And uh, thank you for this message today. Thank you that there is a visible reminder somewhere in, in Israel of this pile of stones. That there is the name of the place, Valley of Achor, that reminds us that you are a holy God. And that you will not leave sin unpunished. That sin always leads leads to death and destruction, uh, separation from you. Please, would we not be those who would just hear this and walk away or not even consider it for ourselves? 
Please would you do something today in our hearts that we would run to you and know your forgiveness. Uh, We thank you for your warning. We thank you that you make a way for sinners to know you. Thank you that you made a way through the cross that we can come to you. We praise you uh, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.